0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ, in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good morning all. It doesn't seem like such a thin crowd from up here, but I I think I may have a different a different vision. Uh, it'll take me a minute to get situated here. Not relying on technology today, thankfully. This will just hopefully boost my voice a bit. So several months ago I was able to share with this group for the first time in a preaching context. I had not done that for a long time. Probably the last church that we were at was a group about this size, homeschooling church that wanted to disciple the dads. And hopefully I will get better as I practice more. And I pondered the last lesson that I shared. That was Job the wrong, I can't even speak. Job, the long road to patience. And as I pondered that, I realized there are some things that I needed. I needed more practice because I am not as practiced as I need to be to share God's word. And I would like to be the very same person here that I am with my family or that I am at work. Because that's the challenge, to be the very same person here or there or wherever we are. And to present an accurate picture of Jesus, which is the most important. I need to be clearer and develop better ideas, and leave the audience with no ambu- amb- ambiguity about what was said. Three, I need to let God speak into my own life through His Word, and I let it uh, need to let it work out. Excuse me, I need to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling because really if i'm pointing to people if i'm pointing people to the scriptures the bible and its god's work it's god's spirit that brings the conviction and the understanding and it's not the frail imperfect sinful human that you have before you today with that preamble we're going to return just for a moment to job we're not going to read through job we're not going to read anything i'm just going to give you the reference if i had my Computer, I would click it, it would say Job 4 12 through 19. Click. And that is a spirit coming and visiting Job, saying, or excuse me, coming and visiting Eliaphas, Job's friend, saying, Job is a sinner. Go tell him. That's why all this bad stuff happened. And that prompts Eliaphas to go heading towards Job to say, You're a sinner and you need to get right with God. Job's been sitting there the whole time thinking, I didn't do anything wrong. And we know from God's perspective, Job hadn't caused all of that by his own sin. It's pretty powerful. So that spirit's job was to get Job to lie, to say, okay, you're right, I did sin. I did do these things. And that's why God took all 10 children of mine, took all of my friends that worked for me, took all of my cattle and my sheep and my donkeys and my goats. Whatever else got taken away. And all of that calam- calamity that got added to his, his life. And Job couldn't do that. He said, I didn't sin. I, God, I want you to come vindicate me. So, what if Job's friends had actually gone to Job to say, we really want to support you. We believe you. And, and we're going to support you through this demonic attack. They didn't have that perspective, though. And that's kind of a bummer. Because one of them actually got a visit from a spirit. So the interesting thing is we get visits from spirits. A lot. And I'm not talking about the sixth sense type ghostly. I'm talking about the worst kind that's demonic. comes straight from Satan to convince us that lies are true. So we need something that would help us in our lives to test spirits. Is there a way that anybody knows that we can test spirits? Is there a way we can test the spirit behind the idea, a thought, or a societal push, like where a whole society seems to want to nudge everybody off a cliff? There is, and that's what brings us to 1 John. So this lesson should really be titled, From Job to 1 John. But don't worry, it will not be 3,000 years long. So we're going to test the spirits. And to do that, we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read this. And please don't tune out. If I had the scriptures on the screen, I could have you follow. But just make a note or read along. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version. 1 John 4, starting in 1. The heading is Testing the Spirits. This is the Apostle John. We're going to hear more about him in just a minute. Uh, We've had six or seven lessons from Brian Hutton about John. This is pretty cool because it ties together. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, and they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. The one who knows God listens to us. The one who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse 7. Beloved, let's love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. By this, the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, But if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know we remain in him and he in us because he has given up to us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, we also are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and yet he hates his brother or his sister, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse 21, final verse. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So that was the apostle John who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. Brian has spent 6 or 7 weeks, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong about that, building up what Revelation is. It's Jesus revealing a glimpse of the future to John and a glimpse of the current present. John was inspired to write those books, and we, hopefully, get the chance to read and learn from them. John was the disciple that's said, that's talked about as being the disciple that Jesus loved and had a deep friendship. We're going to touch back on this in a minute. Jesus revealed things to John that he didn't reveal to the other apostles at that point. John was able to see a revealing glimpse of heaven in the future where Jesus reigns over all of us as the lamb that was slain and as the lion of the tribe of Judah. So now we're going to try to break this apart and take a look at it. There's a lot of terms that need to be defined and I'll try to do a good job of that. John greets the church and he says, Beloved, Beloved. He says, I love you guys. We're part of a family. And I appreciate that about this body because of the love that's been poured out on us for three and a half years. From the moment you guys met us, whether we bored you to tears with our stories or uh, shared lives together. So, testing the spirits. 1 John 4, verses 1 through 6. How do we relate to God? It's there. We're supposed to put God first. God is preeminent. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. They're all mentioned in this passage. That's the triune God. It's the God we worship. There are some people there in the world who do not see that as true. And it's our job to say, it's it's right here. Well why don't you see it? What challenges do you have to believing this? Again, it's not our job to convict them. It's God the Holy Spirit's job to convict them. We have the task of testing what's before us. Is this really from God? In our daily lives, we have that task about almost everything we do, or else we'll get numb to it. And if you turn on the TV, you will see those spirits just pouring out things at you, just dumping spiritual stuff at you that's not true. This is like Job's friends on steroids, If a spirit confesses that Jesus is the Christ and he's come in the flesh, you can trust that. But we'll have to determine what that confess means because there were some spirits that Jesus himself ran across and they said, we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Send us into the pigs. Don't send us into the abyss. Jesus said, okay, go into the pigs. And the pigs ran down the hill and drowned in, in the sea. That's kind of spooky. As a matter of fact, it freaked out the people who were there, the, the pig herders, if that's a term. It scared them. And they said, you've got to leave our land. We don't <laughs> want you around. But they spread this message. It's kind of a weird story. Those spirits said with their mouths, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. But they didn't believe it in their heart. Actually, they didn't have the actions to back it up. They had a completely different relationship with Jesus than we have if we are in his family. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. I remember, this is going to date me slightly. There was a series of movies a long time ago that were designed to just scare Bible-believing people into the fact that there was some nefarious person in a dark room somewhere who was the Antichrist and he had 666 carved into him somewhere and he was going to rise up and be this world leader and do all these. And there was a series of three movies about that. That was just nonsense. But that's the spirit of the Antichrist. It's here to bring chaos and confusion and to get us focused on things that are not the prime issue in Christianity. We'll get to that. You are from God, little children. John is saying that to the believers in Jesus Christ who were worshiping with the churches there that he was a part of, and to us if we are part of Jesus. He calls us little children. We are supposed to accept the kingdom of God like little children. And somehow these little children have overcome them. And who's the them? Them is the evil spirits and the people that are following the evil spirits. We've actually overcome them by our faith in Jesus. Those evil spirits, wherever they come from, are from the world, from the world's perspective, which is not God's perspective. There's a difference there. Therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. The key takeaway to this section is don't believe everything you hear. Do not believe everything you hear. Or even everyone who claims to be speaking from God this would be foolish. It's so obvious. We, we don't believe everything that just comes into our ears. We don't believe everything that we see. If we did, we would be in a constant state of confusion. Oh, this new idea came along. Oh, wait, this new idea came along. Let's just follow the masses. We would be easily misled by those who are teaching error. I want to pause here for a second. I saw a video of a church service in quotes and there was a lady standing there and she was trying to lead her congregation and she called out a man from one of the, the pews she said i believe that god has a message for you to give to this group and this gentleman came up and he said thank you i just want to share that uh During the time that this lady and her group is in town for the revival, we need to be deeply in prayer and deeply uh, respectful of this. But we need to be so deep in prayer that we can get with all of the people that meet her and teach them the truth because this lady is not teaching truth. And I don't know if any of you have seen that video. It's shocking. I mean, her look, she's actually got her hand on the microphone and he's got it. And he is sharing, you can't believe in what this lady is saying. This is false teaching. And if you want, we'll share with you about God's truth after this. We, we want to be deeply in prayer that you are not impacted by the false teaching that goes on. And I saw that and I thought, wow, I would like to have the courage to be able to do that, to rescue people who are being dragged away by, we'll talk about four lies that have impacted me over the years and I want to save people from those four lies and point them to Jesus so the word test when we're testing these spirits it means try them not try as in practice them it means scrutinize figure out what their main point is and try to test whether what they're saying is genuine or not Don't just accept what some teacher or preacher is saying. Examine what is being taught. Those who have an attitude like this are highly committed in scriptures. Acts 17.11, be Berean. The Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they searched the scripture every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. Or the Ephesians in Revelations 2.2. You can look that one up. There's a lot of false prophets in the world, a lot of people who want to draw disciples after them. And we, in this room, don't want that. We don't want disciples following us. We want disciples following Jesus. I want my children to follow Jesus more than they follow me. Hopefully, my life lines up with what Jesus wants for me, and then they can see, and try to duplicate the good things that they see. And that would only be because of Jesus, because of his grace. Because I know the person that lives in this skin, and you know the person that lives in your skin. So we must examine and prove and scrutinize those who would teach us. Even though some teachers might consider it insubordinate, we still need to. Whether one teaches in our classes, our Wednesday nights, this pulpit, whether it's on the radio or in newspapers or whatever, we must test those spirits. But how do we do that? How do we test spirits? We're physical, and we don't have the ability to see into that realm. Like Job, he couldn't tell what was going on. He's like, God, why have you left me? Why have you destroyed my family? Why have you taken things away? He didn't see Satan saying he's going to curse you to your face if you take everything away. And God said, okay, he's in your hands. I'll let you touch him. Don't kill him. And God was wanting Job to be strengthened. He said, stick to it. And then eventually God shows up and Job was vindicated. So, do those spirits confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? I needed to park on this for a couple of minutes because there was a group called the agnostics. Actually, I should back up even further. I don't know Greek, but there's a couple of Greek words. Gnosis is knowledge. Agnosis is lack of knowledge or believing that some knowledge is false. So the agnostics came along and said, you know what, if all flesh is bad then all all this is bad anything we do is bad we're going to put that over here in the bad category sorry i'm not lumping any of you in the bad category it's just going to be where bad is for today and over here this is anything that's spirit i'm not lumping you guys in the spirit category that's everything's good and heavenly so the agnostic said there's no way jesus could have been flesh because flesh is evil The only way Jesus could have done what he did is he was a spirit. And he came down and just pretended to be a man. And the Apostle John is saying, no, absolutely not. Fully God, fully man. That's the story of Jesus. Here in the flesh, died on the cross, buried, third day rose again. He was not just a spirit. The agnostic said, no, he was a spirit and Because of that, we're not going to spend any more time with you people in this body. We're going to leave and go teach our own thing and try to get people to follow us because we allow them to do all the fun stuff that the flesh can do because it's fun, because that's what we want to do. And really, it's not spiritual, so we're not really sinning. That's wicked. And that happened while the apostles were still alive. So that's how quick... False teaching can creep in. It's our job to stop that. And to make it stop. Actually, it's God's job to stop that. It's our job to speak up about it. The us versus them that John talked about. We know that you are from us. You listen to us. You follow us. The them was the people who left. So, it's also very important to not... How should I say this? There's a, there's a very big group of people that follow God a certain way, and they claim they are the us. You need to follow us. You need to follow what we say. And that church group has done a tremendous amount of damage over the years To believers. It's it's bizarre. We don't want to be like that. That's not what God has called us to do. We're we're called to be shepherds of the flock. So our teaching has to agree with what the apostles taught, or our teaching is not truth. And there have been some areas in my life where I have not followed them. I'm going to jump here to the spirits that I have uh, been impacted by so this is what I've seen in my extended family there are more than two genders in my extended family actually probably closer than that uh, it's just been horrific to see what that's done to people in my family I think, how could you think that? You know, just biologically, there's male and female. God tells us that in the earliest chapter of the Bible. And people are falling for the spirit, for the lie that says there's 47 genders. You can be whatever you want. That would go into that rubbish pile over here. That's fleshly. That's from the world. That's not from Jesus. There's male and female god created them that's the spirit creating the human flesh over here it's divided part of our family where communication is not really good and that's that's a lie you know, that, that's, a, that's a teaching that's demonic. So our job is to figure out how to teach that truth in love and to impact people. Not going to beating them over the head. Saying, do you see that God has this in store for you? This is what you could have instead. You know? This is uh, test number two. By the way, each one of these tests could probably have a whole series of four or five hours worth, maybe more. So I'm not going to do this justice. But you can see the chaos that this is causing in society, and you can see how foolish it is. Because when it really comes down to it, you know, you check the box of male or female, do not want to answer this question, other. Here's another another test, and this one uh, I struggled with. Because people had told me, I mean, I, I was raised in a church, but later during high school and that sort of thing, people told me, oh, the Bible is just a fairy tale collection. You can't trust that. That's just a bunch of hogwash. It's like Zeus and Apollo and Hermes and Aphrodite and all these other Greek gods. Well, there is so much evidence out there to support the Bible. There's an entire study called apologetics, which is the reason for why we believe what we believe. And that pretty much answers that well, the Bible's just a fairy tale. You don't have to believe it. No, it's not. It's true, it's the living words of God. Here's a very simple, small example. I'm 53, and when I was growing up, I remember people making fun of manna. From the Old Testament. Okay, who do you all remember Manna? Where, where the uh, Israelites are out wandering in the desert and they're grumbling, there's no food here, and God gives them food. He has this food just dropped from the sky and feeds the people. Okay. So that for years was poo-pooed by the uh, by the spirit of the culture. Until Just recently, within the last 10 years or so, and and if you look this up, you'll see it as recently as about two years ago, NASA has discovered a way to create food out of thin air. I think I shared that article with some of you. Maybe, maybe not. If, If not, I will. I thought, wow, that is amazing. And God told us he did that years before. NASA discovered this. How is NASA doing it? And there were crickets from the people who said, that story is false in the Bible. That's foolishness. Can't believe that old book. It's dusty. There was uh, one more uh, example of that one with the Bible being a fairy tale collection. Up until a few years ago, there was no, and this is in air quotes, there was no proof that a King David actually existed. Had anybody heard that? I'm trying to, okay, I'm getting some nods. But King David, is, I mean, he's, he's, he's a huge guy in the Old Testament. Jesus' lineage is traced through him. There's prophecies that David wrote. If he was false, if he was fake, then you pretty much toss out the Bible. That's what people were trying to get us to believe. That's what the spirit behind that idea of saying, King David wasn't even a real guy. He's just a myth. So recently in Israel, some archaeological digs had uncovered some little coins that had been stamped from the house of David. Okay. And the archaeologists were forced to look at that and go, "Eh, maybe there was a King David. But he wasn't a King David of the Bible. That gets a little frustrating. There are many, many more examples like that that happened. Here is a big one. This is number three. This is huge. Abortion is okay. The spirit behind that is definitely demonic. I heard a statistic about Russia. It said that the average Russian girl of college age had had seven abortions. That doesn't leave the guys off the hook. They've got a part to play in that. This is just a statistic that was shared. I'm gonna back up just a bit. I don't remember how long ago, but it was a few years probably 50, maybe. There was a sociologist in Russia who said, by the certain year, we'll have 300 million people in our country. And they missed that mark because for some length of time, they had been killing their own future, just decimating their own country because children are inconvenient, they cost. Those are two more lies. This is a huge one that is being pumped into our minds, into our culture, into our society. This is one that will drive us right off the cliff. There is forgiveness that Jesus presents to people who've done bad things. Who needs that? I do. the reason Jesus came and died on the cross was because sin is bad. Sin decimates, sin kills. It will eventually kill the people who just listen to it forever. So we don't wanna be any part of that and we don't wanna be any part of that lie. Hopefully, with our work in pregnancy centers and our work out in the community and our love for people and accepting them, accepting them in or adopting, there's a huge way that we can stand against that lie. All right, I went kinda light and fluffy and then I got heavy and I'm gonna do one that's, that's still pretty serious. This is one that I have struggled with. Baptism is not part of being saved or salvation. That's a tough one because it's all throughout God's word The early Christians did that and followed the command. Jesus himself did it to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus himself sent John the Baptist to baptize for repentance to prepare the way for him. Jesus spent time baptizing and then taught his disciples how to baptize. And then when he went to heaven, it's recorded in Matthew 18, 19, and 20, the Great Commission. Go out. in the name of the the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptizing them, I just brutalized them. Sorry, I didn't have it written down. Matthew 18, Matthew 20, 19 and 20. Every example in in the New Testament of a person giving their life to Jesus included being immersed in water. Jesus even set this example himself. The apostles spoke about it and wrote about the importance of baptism. There are some churches that teach you don't need to do that. It's not part of it. It's just a nice thing to do. It's on the side. If you want to be extra saved, you can do it, but you're, you're good. I don't want to be flippant about that, but it's painful. Back in Colorado, where we spent our last few years, before moving here, we spent time with people who were godly and who wanted to disciple their children and wanted the dads to lead, but they didn't say much about baptism. So that was a struggle for us. And then we come here and we find a body that says, this is important. And this is important. The baptizing and teaching the doctrines So we are very grateful to be a part of this body. There is a song, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God, knows God. The one who doesn't love doesn't know God, for God is love. Let us love one another, 1 John 4, 7, and 8 if you don't remember anything else I've shared today I would hope that you would be able to look back to this passage and at least be aware that there are spirits that are trying to get a message across to you it is either the Holy Spirit of God who is trying to get a message across to you that can be confirmed by what's written in this book or it's the spirit of what's against God. It's our custom here now, as I wrap up, to present the invitation. Uh, what's the invitation? What is is that? That's that's our chance to say, if you wanna know about God, you wanna learn more, ask us. If you are ready to be baptized, if you believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, And you want to get immersed in water to have your sins forgiven the way the Bible says to do it. What's keeping you? If you're not ready, we want to be able to spend time with you and have you spend time with us and try to help you get rid of those evil spirit thoughts out of your head and fill your heart with good spirit thoughts from Jesus Or if you just need prayers because you're like, I've been beaten down by this week. Then the front row is for you. So the invitation song has been picked. And thank you for your attention.